The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to another instalment of Well, This Is Going Well, the weekly assessment of planet Earth's slide down the rankings that is The Bugle Podcast. I am Andy Zaltzman. Fear my power, for I am a pitiless destroyer of worlds. Sorry, I promised myself I'd never use those words again after it failed as a chat-up line for the 837th consecutive first date. It is uh, Monday, the 28th of September 2020. This is issue 4167 of The Bugle, which by coincidence is the number of times the following things have happened in the past week since we last spoke to each other. The average British person has watched the news and said, what now? Boris Johnson has muttered the words, this is the worst Faustian pact ever. Uh, Football pundits have said, that is never a handball, this game is killing itself. Football supporters have responded, you have a point, but maybe try addressing the cancerously exploitative, destructive plutocracy of the wealthier clubs when you're trying to work out exactly how football is really killing itself. Uh, So there we are. There we are. Another week on as we all wait expectantly for season four of uh, The Handmaid's Tale of some light, frothy escapism. uh, Whilst quietly thinking to ourselves, I expected the end of civilization to be a bit more exciting and spectacular than this. So... Instead, here we have a bugle to keep you going. Joining me uh, for the, the latest week of joy around the world from Australia, Alice Fraser. Hello, Andy. Hello, buglers. How are you all? Uh, I assume they're all fine. Okay, let's, let's go with fine. Uh, yeah, on behalf of all bugle <laughs> listeners, everyone is absolutely fine. Well, how can you not be fine when you're listening to world class satire? I've no idea. I've, I've never really tried it. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, how's, uh, how's Australia? Uh, Australia seems to be doing comparatively well in the stakes of, of uh, collapsing. We're collapsing at uh, marginally slower rates than other major countries, uh, partly because we are not a major country, though we like to think of ourselves as such. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I, I spent the weekend looking at some cows. Well, right. And uh, how did that work out for you? They looked back. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic uh, human-cow confrontation. Uh, also joining us, from rather closer to where I am in the shed in South London, it's Mark Steele. Hello, Andy. Uh, I'm so jealous of you, Alice, in Australia. Wow, it's just... We're just awful here. We're going to have a second wave and a third wave, and even if you get locked down, you've got a desert each out there, so you're <laughs> right, you can just wander up. Oh, no! I can't be confined to this 900 square miles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is just uh, awful. It's all just so miserably, predictably wrong. And when, like, a few weeks ago, when they went, no, go with Boris Johnson, no, go out once again to the pubs and off, and, and I just thought, I clearly don't. I honestly did think I, there must be something I don't understand because the reason that the our number's gone down is because we've all been indoors, not meeting. So when we all go out, it'll go up again, won't it? It's like, t- oh, there's a drip from the tap. We turned it off. Let's turn it on again and the tap won't. But it's going to start dripping when you turn it on again, isn't it? No, don't be so miserable. We go, and here we yeah, are but- all fucked. Yeah, but the thing is, Mark, you're looking at this from a different perspective to the politicians. You're looking at it from a, yeah, a cause and effect perspective, whereas politics likes to separate cause and effect. The cause right. is someone else's fault, and the effect is your manipulation of the statistics to prove it to be what you want it to be. Evidently. So on the 29th of September, 
480 BC, the Battle of Salamis took place. Um, the Greek fleet under Themistocles defeated the Persian fleet under Xerxes I, who had no answer to the Greek barrage of strongly flavoured cured meat sausages, <laughs> if I remember the details from my degree accurately. Um, on this day in 2008, well, on the 29th of September 2008, the Dow Jones fell 777.68 points, its largest single-day loss following the bankruptcies of Lehman Brothers and Washington Mutual. It's funny, isn't it? That, that theme seems almost charmingly nostalgic now, doesn't it? Just a massive global banking collapse. Kind of happier, simpler times where you know, catastrophe almost seemed just like a little lark in the, in the financial markets. Um, we can, uh, could anyone have foreseen those bankruptcies happening in the collapse around it? Well, uh, no, uh, unless uh, they'd had one of the following rare qualities foresight, hindsight, or basic arithmetic. Uh, on the 28th of September, 1066, uh, William the Conqueror landed in England, beginning the Norman Conquest. Of course, it's been downhill ever since, uh, really. Uh, he landed in Sussex. Of course, if he'd landed in Kent, uh, we'd have kept him out easy, no problem. Um, on the 28th of September, 1066, William the Conqueror landed in England, beginning the Norman Conquest. It's been downhill ever since, but to mark this... Uh, we have this week's section in the bin, a free new part-by-part audio tapestry um, chronicling Britain from 2020 in the style of the Bayer tapestry <laughs> that uh, charted the, uh, the Norman Conquest. And uh, to construct your first audio panel of the history of Britain 2020 onwards, construct your own scene from the following component parts. A smug leader sitting on a throne, a group of fawning courtiers, a sinister-looking bald man, a crowd of people holding their heads in their hands in despair, a naughty-looking virus, a confused doctor, and a very disappointed baby. Uh, uh, that section in the bin. Uh, top story this week. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's just have a closer look at, uh, at the latest in Britain. We'll uh, we'll turn to the uh, the Trumpian tax issue uh, later. Later in the show, are we off on this now? Uh, on well, the lockdown? well, it's, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, lock, lock, a lock, lockdown is. I think the government is probably about to say that you know, lockdown is a spiritual state, and we are all free within our souls. And then um, just shut up. And for it's the next so six yes, months. and it's so unpredictable. Who could have predicted that when students went back to university, <laughs> that they would stand close to each other? <laughs> Because before, Freshers' Week has always involved students just getting in a canoe and going out into Greenland. (laughs) And this... What about the the thing with the app, right? So, you know, the NHS app. The NHS app that is is working with it. But it's not an NHS app because they've given it to this private company, Serco. So it's an NHS app in the same way that Kentucky Fried Chicken does NHS buckets of chicken wings <laughs> and that Mental Dave in a nightclub does NHS skunk and collapse in the corner of the toilet. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the NHS, but he just wants the NHS to take the blame for it. And then, oh, and also, so the track and trace, that in April, track and trace, he said, world beater, will be a world beater, game changer, track and trace by the end of May. And... Then it was the end of June, and then July, and then September, and now he said this this week he said it doesn't really matter. It won't. <laughs> it doesn't affect the thing you've said for six f***ing months. You've been going. This is what's going to. No, it doesn't matter. 
And that, well, it's like a child losing losing a race at school, isn't it? Yeah, so didn't want to win it. Didn't want to win it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got and this Serco company, you know, they subcontracted. I was reading about it. They've subcontracted the work, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of, of contracts that they've got, and they've subcontracted it out to companies such as debt collecting agencies. And you've got, but with track and trace, <laughs> you've got to be really sensitive, right? We want to find out where you were. And debt collecting agencies of all companies are known for their sensitivity. <laughs> Were you round at Bill and Eileen's on Saturday for a barbecue? Were you? Were we clamping your car and taking your f***ing telly, you slag? Give us your jewellery. I, I think, well, here's my shred of optimism. When you listen to the conspiracy theorists, all oh, you know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to kill all the old people because they're too expensive with their pensions or something. I think, oh, no, they are. Then this is the darkest thing. They are utterly uselessly incompetent. If they had an inconspiracy, they couldn't. And John Boris Johnson, when he does his, no, whatever it is, no more than six people can gather anywhere unless it's at a gathering. And of these, four out of every three must be outside during daylight and must hover like a hummingbird in a bubble <laughs> where 1.5 people extra are allowed as a, as a bubblet. And you are only allowed two extra people in a house if you murder two of your family to make space with a maximum of naught people in a room at any time. So if you find yourself in a room, you must leave immediately. <laughs> That's actually a lot clearer than anything I've, I've heard from the real Boris Johnson. Unless you're hunting grouse. Unless, oh, yes. Oh, yes, right, well, yes, yes, yes. Kill or be killed. You know, they've got these lockdown protests. That what they should do is just ritually sacrifice a grouse at the end as a <laughs> post hoc That's so justification. I was doing one of my in-town recordings, which I was at last was allowed to record, in a field at the in Stratford-upon-Avon, right? So the town was Stratford-upon-Avon. We were only allowed to do it in a field with 30 people in this massive field dotted around while I was stood on a... Stood, this is all true. Stood on a tree stump, right, as the stage. And, <laughs> That's how Shakespeare began. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the only time I've ever done a radio recording where a punchline was twice interrupted by geese. So it's true. Bless them. And I thought, if I had a gun, if I had a gun and I'd shot one of the because f- it could have been a proper shooting party, we would have been allowed to have 4,000 there, wouldn't we? <laughs> well, this is the other shred of optimism, I think, um, Buglers, is that I, I think people in Britain, more and more people are sort of thinking this has all gone horribly wrong. The terrible thing sort of six months ago was all this madness was going on and people were thinking, well, the government's doing the best it can uh, in killing more people than in doing worse than any other country in the world. But even now, the thing, because it's Britain, so Boris Johnson was asked the other day, why have we had a worse record than almost any other country in the world? And he said, because we are a freedom-loving nation. That's why we've been worse, because we can't help it. We go up the co-op 
and we're doing our shopping in our mask and we rip it off because we can't help it because it's in our jeans <laughs> because we stood alone in 1940 so I'm not wearing a mask when I'm buying custard powder. <laughs> and it's... It's just... How can they... Ah. And, um, and that was the other one he said, for 300 years, every major innovation in the world has come from Britain and that's, that's why we... Of course... The virus is going to spread more in Britain than anywhere else because we invented the steam engine. <laughs> it's all Stevenson's fault. <laughs> Speaking of the steam engine, I highly recommend... Uh, I have a few uh, suggestions for people who are uh, trying to avoid COVID in these troubled times. Uh, one is everyone should start vaping so that we can see other people's breath and dodge away oh. from it. Right. I think uh, that's very good. Yep. Uh, the Hope, the yes. second thing is that everyone should have extremely loud air horns because no one wants to come near anyone with an air horn. Like right. Beethoven. And the third <laughs> is... He never got it, did he? <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with the science. <laughs> and the third is to avoid uh, anything happening after 10pm because that's when the vampires come out and spread COVID. They're like... yeah. They're like the thing about vampires that everyone forgets is that they're essentially very large mosquitoes. Yes, mm. everyone does forget that. Um, yeah, I, mean, they, yeah. I just, you know, it's all that silent movie stuff where you watch them going to piano music and you don't hear the sound effect of the vampires floating around going. <laughs> <laughs> much more annoying, much less sexy. Yep, that's why you don't get um, you don't you don't get mosquitoes in uh, Italian restaurants because of all the garlic. Uh, <laughs> um, and the crucifixes, I think. Um, yeah, France. No, none in France. Uh, yeah, no, you're quite right. Running water. They're the most useless things, aren't they, vampires? It should be easy to get rid of a vampire. <laughs> I, am, I am deadly. The only thing that can stop me is garlic and running water and the daylight and anything that happens to be cross-shaped, even accidental twig. <laughs> consent. Vampires yes. consent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking useless, aren't they? They're some more annoying. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're taking down the, the big threats to humanity one by one in this show. Um, there's been uh, a lot of well, criticism from within the Conservative Party of uh, of uh, the Johnson regime's latest uh, diktats. Um, uh, some of the uh, Tories have been saying they're doing more harm than good, which, which is not really the issue, to be honest. Doing more harm than good, because A, that's basically what they were elected to do. B, because every possible solution to this situation does more harm than good. The issue is the margin of victory for harm over good <laughs> under Johnson's mentorship. Yes, so, it's a thrashing. <laughs> 209 days in a row, harm has beaten good. And where does good go from here? <laughs> yeah, the fans of good are appalled on the phone-ins. <laughs> rest bang out of order. Um... Look, as a comedian surrounded by the furious agreement of the educated lefty intelligentsia, it's very easy to make fun of Boris Johnson because he's got a very difficult job and he makes it, he makes it look easy to be good because you look at him and you think, God, any idiot could do a better job than that underwater with one hemisphere of their brain tied behind their back. The problem is that the skills required to be good at politics don't seem to be the same skills required to be a good leader of a country. 
and that seems like a structural problem, you know? Yes. Well, yes. Are, you, are you saying that this thing has revealed the obvious deep flaws in our, the way we conduct our democracy, Alice? <laughs> yeah, it's like testing someone to be an airline pilot by having them run a hopscotch. It's not. It's like a skill set, but it's not the same skill set. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, if you look at the things he said to uh, to the country, and, and clearly there's a, there's an issue of of trust now and uh, you know there's a lot of disagreement you know basically different people saying we need more powerful local governments less powerful local governments more clarity from central government central government to get out of it people should take responsibility for their own actions and they need strong definitive rulings from the government so everyone knows exactly what they can do we need to support and close businesses we need to panic and not let the virus can control our lives we need to do things better in the future and in the past and learn from sweden stroke germany stroke china stroke new zealand stroke australia stroke alan and brenda from down the road who are fine stroke wherever people are allowed to watch sport that uh, will just follow them or antarctica pangaea or venus or we just learn from britain because we are britain and instinctively our national common sense mean, means we've automatically done the right thing so it's it, uh, and johnson's leadership i mean he said that he made a speech last week he said i know we can succeed because we have succeeded before the problem with that <laughs> is is i mean a that logic is flawed and uh, because a lot of things succeed and then fail i mean you know you wouldn't line you know at, at the whenever the next olympics is you will not see team gb at 100 meters wheeling out harold abrahams in his coffin <laughs> the 1924 olympic 100 meter champion saying well he's a proven winner he is a proven winner he's done it before he can do it again and also there's another flip side you know if, if johnson says we can succeed because because we've succeeded before before there's an obvious flip side to that logic given the amount of times he has f***ing failed. So in terms of pure probability, um, it's not looking uh, too clever. Uh, he said this, when the uh, sickness took hold of this country in March, we pulled together in a spirit of national sacrifice and community. We followed the guidance to the letter. We stayed home, protected the NHS and saved thousands of lives. Now, I know people can use whatever pronouns they like these days, and that is overwhelmingly a good thing, but I don't believe Boris Johnson can use we in those sentences. That seems entirely inappropriate. He added, the uh, single greatest weapon we bring to this fight is the common sense of the people themselves. Well, uh, thanks for the compliment, Mr Johnson, but uh, when you are Prime Minister, that suggests that British common sense has taken a bit of a back seat in recent years, and when the other weapons we're bringing to the fight are you... Boris Johnson, Dominic Cummings, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, an overwhelming aura of confusion and an app that doesn't fucking work. That's not the most glowing of accolades anyway. I think, yes, all that's very true. But I think, and you were asking for little shards of optimism, I think, and I know as a statistics man, you will appreciate this, um, Britain did achieve a world record this week because during Boris Johnson's speech, at one point he said... It is absolutely important that we all <clears throat> keep to the rules. We must not breach the rules. And at that point, <laughs> the greatest number of people at a single moment said the same name when 40 million people in Britain went, What about Dominic Cummings? <laughs> it was registered as an earthquake by those, those <laughs> seismometers around the world. Yeah, 1.3 on the Dicta scale. <laughs> yeah. Family show. This is a... <laughs>
Um, just one, uh, before we move on to, to Trump, one more quick uh, British story. And, um, well, this is of particular re- relevance to, to, to Mark uh, and me. Um, Kent Border. Now, of course, Kent Border, you instantly think, well, that's Australia's that's number fair. five and... Well, Australia's five <laughs> numbers five and six batsmen in the 1981 Old Trafford Ashes <laughs> Test. Martin Kent, only played three matches for the Baggy Greens, of course, and uh, legendary captain Alan Border early in his career. But... Um, uh, Michael Gove uh, announced essentially there's going to be a, a sort of de facto border for lorries yes. entering Kent before they travel to to the EU. Now, yeah, Mark, you're from uh, yeah, you're you're a Kent cricket fan. Yes, uh, you grew up in the sort of the, Lon- the sort of London London part of Kent. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I grew up in uh, the disputed border town of Tunbridge Wells, and um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, how, how do you feel about our county becoming a... You know, I'm all of, for it. Yeah, I was right. brought up in uh, in Swanley in Kent, so it's sort of just outside the London bit of Kent. But, it was, but yeah, I think that they should go further with this. I think that um, Swanley should actually become part of France. I think Margate <laughs> and Ramsgate should both be called West Romania. And I think Sittingbourne should be placed within the disputed India-Pakistan border currently in the province of Kashmir. <laughs> I think, and um, enough, I think there's something quite brilliant about <laughs> the fact that most of Kent voted Brexit because they're sick of foreigners, and now the population of Kent is going to be 48 million, of which 47 million are Romanian truck drivers stuck on the ring road outside Maidstone. I think there's something brilliant about that. And, um, <laughs> if Kent becomes a if Kent becomes a country, which it should do, we'll have a team at the Olympics, and We'll be marching right behind Kenya at the opening ceremony. And <laughs> if there's anyone from my old school, that means Kenya will not win any middle distance medals <laughs> because all the Kent ones will go up behind him and go, Oh, dead leg, my son! <laughs> Get up, Kenyan! Yes! <laughs> oh, you say four, 47 million uh, <laughs> Romanian uh, lorry drivers. That's only a slight exaggeration. Um, <laughs> Michael Gove said there could be... 7,000 lorries queuing in Kent. 7,000, that works out, around about, I think, an 80-mile queue of <laughs> lorries. He described this in, as a reasonable worst-case scenario, which, mm-hmm. by coincidence, is my online dating profile. Um, <laughs> 7,000... I mean, this is, this is what taking back control was all about, wasn't it? Yes. Lorries, f***ing everywhere. An 80-mile queue. So that goes right through London, then. That'll go from Dover. That'll go right all through yeah. Kent, right up to London. But worth it, though, because we've got our passports back, haven't we? <laughs> so I don't mind. I don't mind taking 47 years to get to France because I've got my passport back. Proper colour what it never was in the first place. Same colour what it never proper colour, nearly blue. <laughs> like which, what, what, everything in Britain's nearly blue, nearly blue post boxes, buses, everything. What's our flag? Nearly blue, white and blue. Back. <laughs> I mean, even the Norman invasion had the sense to march through Kent quickly without causing trouble. When I when I did uh, Hastings as part of the In Town series, um, uh, the, everything there is ten sixty six. There's a ten sixty six jazz club. A 1066 vets, everything. <laughs> and then I came across a building company called William the Concreter. <laughs> a 
American presidential tax news now, and, um, well, exciting revelations from the New York Times uh, yesterday. They've uh, published an extensive report into Donald Trump's uh, tax affairs, an issue about the uh, about which the usually forthright and gobshitiest Mr Trump has been, well, demurely, almost coquettishly reticent over the years. He's the first <laughs> president since the uh, 70s not to publish his uh, tax returns. And it turns out that, uh, well, basically, he's been putting the racket into tax bracket, the oi into <laughs> avoidance, and the shows total disregard for ordinary people and the overall well-being of America into the he shows total disregard for ordinary people and the overall well-being of America. The uh, investigation showed chronic losses in his businesses and years of tax avoidance, the extent where he paid just $750 in federal income taxes in 2016 and in 2017, and no income taxes at all in 10 of the previous 15 years. Um, I mean, you've got to admire the barefaced balls of it in a way, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I think the Americans will admire it. Like, this is a nation of carpetbaggers and religious zealots who are fleeing from the freedoms recently granted in England. They would, you know, these are people who are very committed to a cause, and at the moment, the cause is capitalism. If you can get away with doing... Uh, terrible, terrible things financially. Uh, I think it'll be good for his poll numbers. Yeah. Also, I mean, maybe the poor bastard has been skint the whole time. We should feel sorry for him. Um, you know, struggling yeah, to put food on the table. He's down to his last tower. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is now that all of these, any pretty much every day, he does something that ten years ago you'd go, well, that's the end of him then. Yes. But now. It doesn't matter. He could sell his daughter to Putin for a dollar, and people go, "Yeah, sort of thing he does." He could just have sex with a badger on live during one of his rallies in Wisconsin, and most, you know, you go, oh, "Is that what he's done there?" Yeah. I mean, people used to bemoan uh, the hypocrisy of politicians who would pretend to be good people while secretly being bad people, and. I mean, the, Trump's big selling point is his authenticity, and I, uh, I for one, long for the days of hypocrisy once more. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bring back pretend. hypocrisy. Um, well, this is I mean, aspirational, you know. Yes. I, I've been following the, um, the the betting odds for the American presidential election, and this story made absolutely f- all difference because, it, as you say, right. well, it's hard to imagine anyone changing their mind on Donald Trump. Now, you know, no, exactly. He, I trusted him before when he was putting <laughs> babies in cages, but not <laughs> this. I mean, to change your mind on Trump now would be like being Raoul Amundsen getting two hundred yards from the South Pole <laughs> before turning back and saying, "Weather, weather today looks a bit off, lads. Let's, let's yeah. can it." What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? It's freezing. Oh, yeah, I, no. And then, well, that uh, two, three weeks ago, because you think I was slightly concerned that, you know, like w- like an actor when they've just gone too mad halfway through a play and, uh, and you think well, you've left yourself nowhere to go, how was he going to leave any space for a crescendo with the f- still five <laughs> weeks? But he's managing it because then a couple of weeks ago he's done... See that one where he said, we've got people... Uh, that have spotted that Joe Biden is a dangerous man. He got on a plane with people wearing black. The plane was full of people wearing black. That thing? Shady people. the plane people. in Melbourne? Well, he wouldn't say. He was that was a very where. funny joke if you know Melbourne. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what? 
Oh, is it, is it, is it, is it a fashion thing? Is it a thing? Yes. Oh, I don't I get it. Is it? Yes, yeah, very oh, trendy right. people in Melbourne. Oh right! I'm not up well, with your you're making jokes fashion. about Alice. You made a joke about what trendy people wear to me and Mark. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, what on the expecting? other side of the world. <clears throat> if you made a joke about what trendy people wear in my road, I wouldn't get it. <laughs> but people in black, and I did he? That's just so mad. There's a plane full of people. As he watched Men in Black and got it confused. And now he'll say, Joe Biden's a dangerous man. He'll watch Godzilla. He treads on buildings. I know people, fantastic people. He demolished Tokyo. He just (laughs) sat on all the buildings. And people will go, oh, dear. (laughs) I mean, there there are possible ways of explaining why this, you know, supposed borderline billionaire has paid absolutely no tax, uh, other than the fact that he is a truly abominable human being who hates all humanity. I mean, it's possible that he found a legal loophole whereby he can be taxed on his spiritual wealth rather than his financial wealth, in which case $750 a year he's overpaid significantly. Um, There's also the issue of, you know, what what he's claimed as deductible expenses, uh, including aircraft, and $70,000 for... A hairstyling for his TV yes. show. Now, look, I've done a little bit of telly, very little bit of telly, so I'm, I'm not going to judge him. Obviously, the reason John got the HBO job instead of me uh, was because he was happy to go with uh, $500 an episode on the hairstyling budget, and I wouldn't go under 1000 So, look, I'm not going to judge <laughs> Trump <laughs> for that. But this is issue 4167 of The Bugle, and by coincidence, that is also the number, as the old joke goes, of the uh, total employees of the Trump organisation it takes to change a light bulb. One to change the light bulb and 4,166 to be listed as light bulb changing consultants at $1,400 per bulb change as a tax dodge. The New York Times said that it had published uh, these uh, details. Um, and I quote, because the, uh, the Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that the First Amendment allows the press to publish newsworthy information that was legally obtained by reporters even when those in power fight to keep it hidden. So that's uh, the First Amendment. Trump, clearly not a massive fan of the First Amendment, and, you know, he's a, he plays a lot of golf, clearly uh, firmly of the belief that the Mulligan's rule applies to amendments as it does apply to golf, that if you don't like the first one that comes out, you just move straight on to the second one and forget all about the first, and uh, he loves that Second Amendment. Also in golf, you mark your own card. It relies very much on trust, Create, so you, you yes. mark your own card, and it's yeah. you know so that's the way the tax system right. works. Perhaps yes. you just borrow it from yes. golf. You just mark your yeah. own card. I earned nothing. All oh, right. <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone in golf has to mark their own card because no one else can bring themselves to watch anyone else playing golf. <laughs> it's such a fucking boring sport. Oh. Um, the uh, <laughs> the first. Is that like just golf. like a pity for golfers? I like golf. I I run past a golf course occasionally, and I it's the only time in my life that I'm ever tempted to catcall just these old men <laughs> hitting their golf balls around, and I just want to be like, yeah, hit it, put it in the hole, old man. I just think um, if a wife is encouraging her husband to play more golf, it's because she wants him to be as far away from her as possible. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, well, in, in Tiger Woods, he's case it was probably fair <laughs> uh, the first presidential debate happens uh, tomorrow as we record um, and uh, 
well, it's got, I mean, it could be quite exciting, really. Trump has recently uh. smashed through the 20,000 lies in office, Mark, <laughs> according to the Washington Post's lie totalizer. He's gone through 20... He's broken the record set by William Henry Harrison, who rattled out 19,004 lies in his 31-day presidency in 1841. Uh although 19,000 of them were him insisting that he felt absolutely fine and wasn't about to die. Uh, three of him were saying, I can juggle terrapins with my eyes shut. And the last one was him claiming still to be alive. <laughs> Other news now. And um, uh, Alice, this is very exciting uh, news for you as uh, someone who's always uh, desperately wanting to go to the moon. But NASA has announced plans to have a woman on the moon by the year twenty. 24 um i mean personally i'm a bit as a man i'm a bit appalled by this because i mean is there nowhere left that men can call their own anymore <laughs> no safe sanctuaries for guys to just hang on I mean, the moon was basically the last male yeah, preserve exactly. i'm sat on a sea of tranquility having a nice <laughs> afternoon now i've got her giving it all right <laughs> you know just a place where men can be men because women are allowed to have yeah, women only, <laughs> clothes shops, hospital wards, swimming pools, thrones, seating areas in places of religious worship. Are men not even allowed a single moon? That's yeah, a safe poor space. men. All they yeah. get is male only governments and boardrooms <laughs> and green yeah. rooms and. <laughs> but also, let's not forget men invented men invented the moon, Alice, as you can tell, because it is basically no use. It's massively impractical and looks like a ball. A ball. It's a ball. They're planning, yeah, they are planning on sending a woman to the moon, which I think is a nice move for gender equality and a terrible move for the equality of allocated resources to the problems of our own planet. <laughs> I mean, what does it matter if there are hundreds of thousands of illiterate women living in poverty and dying by turns of preventable diseases and preventable husbands if they can but turn their faces to the moon and think, well, some rich American woman had her period on that? <laughs> I'm not denigrating the idea that representation in elite fields isn't important and aspirational goal. I just think that people in general are less inspirable than they were in the 60s and we're in an age now where people will hate shit just because the people they don't like like it. And who <laughs> wants to see the toxic pop culture discourse on the Ghostbuster reboot in space? Well, I think it's marvellous. <laughs> I <bet> I... <coughs> I met a couple of astronauts. They're ever so really pleasant, calm people. And then I thought, well, they probably, they they would be, wouldn't they? Because you don't want an astronaut who's going, oh, I've got a fucking dog. I don't want to get the jitters. That'd be no good, would it? <laughs> oh, gee, f- oh, oh, I've got, I get a, oh, I shake like nothing on earth, and I've got anxiety. I get panic attacks at the slightest. That'd be no good, would it? When you're re-entering the atmosphere. That's, Sounds terrifying. It's sweat, and when it, as it comes back into the atmosphere, it swings from side to side, and it sounds like there's all explosions going around. And there's it sounds terrifying. And it's um, uh, what was her name? Helen Sharman. Is that her name? Yes. Oh, terrible. Yes. Woman astronaut. Delightful. The first, woman. the first British. Uh, yeah. Female astronaut. Yeah, and she just exuded sort of calm. She could go to the moon. She'd be brilliant up there. She'd do it. Let's give it a go. They play cricket. Let's give them a go. If some of them play five sets of tennis, let's kiss them up there. <laughs> Can't be harder than that, I'm can it? I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous because I'm not an astronaut, really. Would you fancy it? Being an astronaut? Yeah, going to the moon. Yeah, I like a walk. I like walking. <laughs> 
Well, it's always very important to get back to the moon, just to check that the uh, 24 people who weren't there before were not mistaken in their collective <laughs> summary at the end of the <laughs> Apollo missions, which was, there's f*** all here, there's been a very disappointing lack of aliens, the food is shit, the golf course is in terrible, terrible condition. <laughs> Uh, David Attenborough news now, and um, Alice, some exciting news about uh, David Attenborough, for those who don't know him, uh, well, basically the UK's official national granddad, um, and he's joined Instagrampa, um, basically enabling <laughs> him to be a, a granddaddic presence in uh, people's lives through the, the medium of uh, whatever Instagram does. Um, best known, of course, uh, David Attenborough for his career uh, making zebra snuff movies and hardcore insect porn, including some uh, really kinky S&M spider stuff. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, why has he joined Instagram now, Alice? Uh, well, he's, he's put out a few videos now. He's bro- I mean, he has broken da- Jennifer... Sorry, David Attenborough has broken Jennifer Aniston's Instagram record for the fastest time to reach one million followers... Uh, Ooh, wow. which wow. is being reported as news, but, like, <clears throat> yes, obviously, he's clearly a much better and more interesting person to follow on Instagram. But he's come out and he said he wants to share information of, on this new medium. He's come out and, and, and told some dirty stories with Michael Palin, and uh, he's doing some great stuff on Instagram so far, which mainly involves him being David Attenborough and people thinking, well, if David Attenborough is still alive, it can't all be wrong. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, the government should be throwing all the money they've got at making sure David Attenborough never dies, and I think he has a <laughs> he has a sacred duty not to pop his clog. I mean, because I looked at some of his uh, mostly the first few posts were him just pouting upwards at a camera held above his head, flatteringly lit. But um, no doubt he'll uh, he'll move on to more interesting. <laughs> oh, stuff. with a mirror, one of those ones. <laughs> I just can't wait for him to start posting thirst traps. Oh <laughs> uh, what? No, you've lost us again there. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> a thirst trap, gentlemen, uh, is right. a uh, sort of a slightly coy but overtly sexy selfie, which is posted in oh. order to induce uh, thirst, aka arousal, in your viewership. Oh right. Oh god, yeah. Mm. No, I I did all that and gave it up a couple of years ago. I moved on to <laughs> I've moved on to TikTok. TikTok is an app that just reminds you of the inevitability of death. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings to the end of this week's Bugle. Um, Alice, any shows to plug other than, of course, the wonderful last post the Bugle sister show from another dimension? Yes, I'm doing a show at the Opera House soon. I'd also like to plug Looking at Cows. Um, because right, they just look as at an you and you look yeah. at them and you look at them and you go, well, there shouldn't be any hard-hoofed uh, ruminants on Australian soil. We don't have any uh, native animals that have hard hooves and you're breaking up the, the delicate topsoil and disrupting the ecosystem and then the cow looks back at you and goes, well, you're a f***ing settler here yourself. And, uh, <laughs> beautiful moment of being in touch with nature, you know? Right. That's good. Oh, bless him, yeah. Uh, Mark, when's your in-town series next on... Uh... On Radio 4. Well, who knows? I, I've got the one in Stratford that the, the geese interrupted, and we, were, we could record one in Brighton, and now it doesn't look like we're going to be able to record the other ones. So, But there is a series that I can plug that will be um, broadcast in 2076. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, so I really, really hope that people listen to that. Between now and then, I'll probably be driving Amazon 
fans. <laughs> um, uh, good. Well, on that happy note, uh, that's uh, our, all that's left for me to say is to remind you, Buglers, to take advantage of the new range of Bugle merch, which, uh, as I speak, Chris is modelling um, very, very sexily for us. Uh, the, the Bugle very sexily. It's your face, Andy. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to wear a, a badge with my face on without exuding a raw, almost animal uh, eroticism. Um, so the uh, new Bugle merch, T-shirts, caps, socks, badges, stickers. The Christmas jumper is available for pre-order. Uh, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the merch button there. You can also join our voluntary subscription scheme to help the Bugle keep going and independent. Until next week, Buglers, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you, you must be so excited. Listen now.